This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. This is Encounter with God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. And Liam is just so excited because he has another jingle in the show. It was very quick. It was very short. Don't know if you caught it. I'm going to call him the king of jingles. That's the one. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> we have a clue for our quiz. I think I've got a new nickname for, for Liam. <laughs> okay. We'll discuss this later. <laughs> nobody has the... Um, nobody Nobody has the answer to the quiz yet. Not, so. not yet, no. If you get the question right, we'll play the jingle again. <laughs> Though God, this is the next, the next clue for what city am I? Though God was planning to destroy this city, he chose not to because the whole city repented. So which city is this? Okay. An entire city An that repented. An entire repent- city. Very large, that- significant, ancient Entire city that repents. Indeed. And if you know what the answer is, give us a call at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can send us a text at 0491-064-669. And if you're the first person in with the correct answer, we will be sending you a copy of A Bridge Across Time by Dan Appel. Uh, this story is sort of... It's a, it's a novel. It's a, it's a narrative. And don't forget to tune in this Saturday morning between 9.30 and 10.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time for small group interactive Bible study on the weekend during your worship time with Matt Parra and myself right here on The Breakfast Show. Best way to, to listen to that is via the Faith FM Australia app. Okay, so if you know the answer to the quiz, also give us a call on 1-800-324-843. Let's get into our Bible study Absolutely. for today. This one is a really, really interesting one. It's a- really enjoying this, uh, this particular study. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 and 6. While we're turning there, maybe I can... Uh, so it's first Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians. What did I say first? Yeah, you said 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 5 and 6. Verse 5 and 6. I've got it. Okay, cool, cool. cool. (laughs) All right. Um, But before we actually read that passage, here's a question. Yes. What is faith? Faith, I I see faith and trust being two very similar things that sort of go hand in hand with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Faith is trust and trust is faith. Um, I don't really know. You, you, you. Okay, but we talk about having faith in God. We faith talk in, about being belonging I guess to a faith. faith. We talk about people being people of faith. Faith is is trusting something that you don't know. I guess trusting something that that you believe that you, you wholeheartedly believe. Yes, but there's an element of it that that is you know there's a, there's a potential. Of, of doubt that you have to look past to wholeheartedly know that what you believe is true. So why then would you look past that? Because uh, you, you got to look past the faith because everything, it's like a marriage sort of a thing. You have faith in your wife that she loves you. Yes. You can't, you don't know what's in her head. You don't know what's in her heart, but, but you have to have faith that she loves you. Just like you have to have faith that God loves you. You can't see him, can't see what he's doing, 
but it's you can it's like you can't but you can sort of just like with your wife you can see her she shows you ways that she loves you and you have to have faith that that is her way of telling you okay before we before we read second Corinthians head over to uh, Hebrews chapter 11 let's read the uh, the Bible definition for faith right here and I think this will clear it up for us because a lot of people is that there's a huge amount of misunderstanding in relationship to what faith is a lot of people uh, believe that Faith is believing in something you don't have evidence for. So uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. One. Yes, yeah. indeed. It says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. All right, so that's me, where me, I got the, the unknown sort of thing from. Yeah, there. that's right. That's a dodgy translation. Let me read it to you from the KJV over here uh, where the Bible says this. Uh, with much stronger language. Now, faith is the substance. Mm. Is substance something that is airy fairy? No. Is something it's, is substance substance is something that is real, isn't it? It is absolutely. So when the Bible speaks about faith, it's not speaking about unrealities. It's speaking about realities. Yes. Okay. So, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mm. Okay, so this is faith is not believing in something that you have no evidence for and you kind of hope that it's real. That's not faith. Some Christians view that as faith. A lot of non-Christians view people of faith as kind of going down that path. That's not how it is. The Bible says that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Okay, we might not be able to see it, but we have rock-solid, substantial evidence for it. And I think that's the key that we need to focus on right here as we uh, get into this Bible study. We're going to look at the role of reason in the Bible as our authoritative source of theology. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 and 6, please, Liam. Okay, it says, uh, it says, We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. Okay, that's quite a strong language there. I'm going to read it from uh, my translation as well. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 and 6. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You know, as I work my way down through this passage here, you know, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Why is it that obedience to Christ uh, in our thoughts is so important? Because we, we obedience, it's just like when your mum tells you to do something, you know? She tells you to do something because... She knows what's best for you. She's had these experiences that you have not experienced, and you know when we, we are we are eternal. Um, I don't know if this is the right word, but we are so much le- compared to God. We're nothing. Okay, so when it comes to the obedience to Christ and uh, obeying Christ, what role does reason play in that, and what does this passage? You know, have to say about the role of reason in doing so. You know, when it talks about you know casting down imaginations and every high thing. Uh, now, again, my, my wording 
could be wrong, um, but it reason is like justification. It uh, looking <laughs> by the look on your face. I can always, I'm, I'm, yep. My yeah. Look, uh, once again, my my Englishness is not always one hundred percent. However, I do my best. All right. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's provides uh, reason is sort of the like you said before the substance of why we believe what we believe. Reason okay. is the underlying factor that what it's the underlying factor of faith. All right, so let's 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 look at back over the uh, the last few days of our study where we have um, you know we've we've been looking at um, culture, we've looked at um, experience, indeed, in relationship to our faith. Yes. And now we come to reason, and these are the kind of the you, you know, you've kind of got your left and your right of the world right here. You've got your two different ways of looking at the world, which is experiential truth versus rational truth. Uh, yeah. Okay. So experimental truth is well, you know, and it's very popular today. Anything can be truth because whatever you experience is truth, and you only have to experience it in your mind for it to be truth. Yes. Okay, this is very, very popular today. Uh, rational truth, of course, is the opposite of that, whereas rational truth is we deal with realities. Yeah. Um, and what is taking place in your mind is not necessarily a reality. Reality is what actually exists. Yeah, it's like the coronavirus, you know? It's, it's a national pandemic. That's not happening in our mind. It's happening in the world, so we know what it is. Yeah, it's, it's, a rational, it's a rational reality. Yes. Okay, so... Um, when we come to both of both rationalism and experientialism, both of them have their weaknesses and both of them have their strengths yeah. when it comes to defining correct theology from the Bible. So here's your problem with experientialism. All kinds of things can take place in the human mind all kinds of things can take place in our world that may or may not be actual truth. With rationalism, there are things that take place in the Bible that cannot be rationally explained. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And so we kind of got a contrast between the two. And so you've got you know this rise of experientialism, which is, you know, uh, whatever I think is what I am, which is another way of saying I am God. Yeah. So if you go to Romans chapter 1, for instance, let's head, head over to Romans chapter 1, and, and we've got some great examples of, of really of both of these two philosophies coming out in Romans chapter 1. Uh, let me see here. He's got to find these verses. Oh, verse 21, the Bible says, Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And so the issue here is that their imagination is taking over. Yeah. And so what they are thinking is what is truth. And the Bible says, in professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Yep. Um, Changed the glory of God into corruptible God, into the image of man into the image made like to corruptible man, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, etc. Indeed. Okay, so you've got, um, you know, whatever I imagine, whatever is taking place in my mind is truth. Rationalism out the door, out the window. Well, what does this open, it open the world up to? Well, you just simply read down through the following verses and you're going to find that it ends up with people accepting, you know, pretty much every uh, abomination that, you know, 
that the Bible can sort of speak about, uh, particularly talking here about morality. Then it comes down to the end here, and it says, Who knowing the judgment of God, that those which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure, or honor those who do them. Yeah. Okay, so if you, we live in a world today where if your truth is based on the experience that you are having in your mind, whatever that experience might be, we live in a world who will hold you up as a hero. Oh, yeah. So you, you, if you self identify as a cow, for instance, um, and you're like, okay, I, say, I, need to, I need to be true to myself and I'm going to, um, you know, I self identify as a cow. Today's society says, good for you. You're a hero. We support you. Here's some grass. And we will never, that's right, we will never judge you. We will give you grass rather than, you know, counseling and whatever other, you know, medical help that you yeah. need in that particular situation. Yes. Um, and so that's a, that's a tragedy of our society today. The other extreme, of course, is rationalism. Indeed. And rationalism can get you into just as much trouble. Because when rationalism comes along, rationalism is going to say there are things in the Bible that we cannot explain with our rational minds. And we'll give a couple of examples. Oh, uh, Liam, you've got a couple of examples of those? Things in the Bible that we can't explain. explain with our rational mind. That Jesus was raised from the dead. Yes. Okay, that's a great place to start right there. Have you ever seen anyone raised from the dead? N- no. I've heard, actually, I've heard a story where someone thought that yeah, happened. Yeah, 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 but, but I'm saying have you ever seen I it? have never seen it, no. Okay, so from experiential truth? No. No. Um, do you know a scientific mechanism by some by which someone can be raised from the dead? Not by... They can... Physically, a scientific mechanism. Yeah, scientifically, somebody can physically be dead and physically, like they raise, but they cannot have life brought back into them. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Life yeah. coming back. We're yes. not, we're, we're so not life about, cannot. We're not talking about a dead scientific, body. Scientifically, yeah. apart from the the short window after you know after like cardiac arrest. Yeah, we're no. talking about brain dead. Scientifically, brain is dead. scientifically, you cannot bring someone back to life. Okay, so from a rational perspective, the resurrection doesn't work either. No. So if you use purely experimental experimental truth, the resurrection doesn't exist. Yes. If you use purely rational truth, the resurrection doesn't exist. No. So then why do we believe in the resurrection? Why do we believe in the virgin birth? Why do we believe in the six-day creation? It's just like many other things, I think. You know, in, in politics, you've got uh, liberal and labor. You've got to find the happy medium in between. Like these two, these two sides, they've got, they strongly agree with one thing, strongly agree with another thing. When in reality, what we need is something in between. You know, you've got your left wing, your right wing, two very different ends of the spectrum where at, if you're at one end, it's not really ideal. If you're at the other end, it's not really ideal. You've got to find the, the, the happy medium in the middle where everything sort of, it works well. You can't have one end. One end of one thing is, is not good. You've got to you got to take things from both sides. Okay, so when it comes to Christianity, Christianity is very much an experimental religion, experiential. Yeah. We, we, we would use in our... Uh, yeah. Because we need to experience Jesus Christ for ourselves and Indeed. our lives. And that's a very personal thing. That's only something Absolutely. that we can relate to. Nobody else can relate to that. We can't give it to somebody else. We can talk about what is taking place. But, you know, another person can't really relate to what is happening in our life. They can only see the evidence of it. Yeah. 
so when we are sharing the Bible, we can also share the Bible from a very rational perspective. And we can say, well, you know, the Bible says don't eat bats. The Bible says if there is a disease in the world, go into quarantine and wash your hands on a regular basis. And we can say, okay, from a rational perspective, then we should be following uh, the Bible, but then we come along to the resurrection, and there's no rational explanation for that. And so, you know, we have this 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 conflict that kind of takes place between the two, which is where faith comes in. So, faith is that element that binds together both experiential religion and rational religion. Indeed, and that's what actually creates a relationship with God, and that is where. You have the evidence of things not seen. So we have never seen a resurrection. You and I have never seen a resurrection. No. Um, they do take place. I'm not saying I'm, I'm making an assumption there, but you've agreed with me, so I was pretty clear on my assumption. That's a very rare thing where God raises somebody from the dead. Okay, so you and I have never seen a resurrection. And so, um, and so that's where an element of faith comes in. We accept that based on the evidence of the Bible. Yeah. Which is where rationalism comes in. Absolutely. So we have substance for our faith that is a rational substance for our faith. We have an, a, a reason for our faith that comes from our experience with God. Okay, so we trust God because we see what God does in our life on a day-by-day basis. We see how God has changed our lives, how God has blessed us and filled us and made us into better people. And so that gives us an experimental, experiential reason to be a follower of God. Absolutely. And then we have you know, the evidence, the rational evidence of the Bible, the rational evidence of what is in the world around us, the natural world. Um, the rational evidence of prophecy, the rational evidence that tells us you can trust every word that there is in the Bible. And so when we come to these points, such as the virgin birth or six-day creation (coughs) or the um, resurrection of Jesus, these are not difficult things to believe because of the experimental, experiential and rational experience that we have actually had and has been a part of our life. Okay, so we go back to uh, where we were in Second uh, Corinthians chapter ten. Can I, can I just come back for a, a quick second? Um, you know, experiences is, is something that that really helps solidify things in our mind, don't they? And you know, if you have one thing that happened, it makes it easier to believe that something else could happen. For example, have, have you ever had a miracle in your life? Many, absolutely. And I've had countless miracles in my life. So then it begs me to to sort of ask myself, if the miracles in my life have happened, why does that mean that this other thing can't happen, such as, you know, the the resurrection? Yeah. Now, the resurrection is an extreme. That's right. But there's been, you know, there's things that happen in our lives that help help us reason why these other things that are a bit harder to believe did happen. And that's what experiential religion is. Yeah. Um, we've experienced it for ourselves and we can see it and therefore we have uh, confidence that God can and does perform supernatural things. Indeed. Okay, so casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Yeah. The goddess of reason invented Indeed. during the French Revolution. Indeed. Decided that reason and rationalism was the answer to all things. 
that men's minds could, through rational and thinking and reason, decide what truth was. Now, we've seen how epically that has failed, um, particularly as it has worked its way down through into you know communism and socialism and so forth. We see how many people have died as a result of that in our world, and you kind of have this situation in the world today where nobody really wants to be a part of that. And so human beings are then flipped to the opposite extreme. It's like, okay, rationalism and discovering what is reality doesn't provide everything that there is that we need for human life. And so once again, we try and leave God out of the equation. We try and leave God out of the equation. We end up with making you know, experience. What I think is what is God. And once again, we make ourselves God. This is Jason Cook with Holy Creator of Time. You're listening to The Breakfast Show.
You are listening to Jason Cook with Holy Holy Creator of Time. This is the Breakfast Show, and we are into our Bible study time. Don't forget that this Saturday morning, Matt Parra and myself, between nine thirty and ten thirty, will be having small group Bible discussion um, on some of these same topics in greater depth. It's interactive. It is live. We encourage you to join us to call through and to share your thoughts and your observations of the Bible. Um, together with us. We look forward to you uh, calling through each week. Okay, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. Uh, Liam, let's head over there and let's look at this particular passage. Proverbs 1 and verse 7, a book that is always full of good information. Indeed. Okay, it says, Fear the Lord, uh, sorry, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Okay, so fools despise wisdom. There's, a, there's an interesting contrast here. Fools despise wisdom. They despise knowledge. Uh, they despise rational thought. Indeed. And we should not despise rational thought. Rational thought is very, very much a part of what it means to be a Christian. And God has given us the ability for rational thought. He's given us that ability so that we can know and experience God, and so therefore the beginning of wisdom starts with an acknowledgement of the existence of God, of the power of God, of the love of God, and that all knowledge ultimately comes from God. Absolutely. And that's when your your rationalism and your experience are going to come together to give you a relationship with God that is real and is powerful and that is enduring. Let's go over to Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. Okay, it says, uh, 9 verse, oh sorry, oh no, never mind. 9 verse 10 says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Okay, so once again, Proverbs here, Solomon is illustrating this point that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom um, and obedience to Christ in our thoughts is so important because... Um, this is where we find, uh, this is the key really that unlocks truth. You know, people are looking for truth either in experientialism or rationalism. Indeed. But truth is found in acknowledging God first and then applying both of those aspects to our experience. Here's one of the problems that you find in Christianity because within Christianity, Christianity uh, supports both rational thinking and reason to discover truth, as well as an experience with Jesus Christ. The problem comes in when you have a church that emphasizes, or a group, or a pastor, or whatever it might be, that emphasizes one over the other. Yeah. So what's the danger of emphasizing rationalism over experience in Christianity? Uh, well, just like I was sort of saying before, you, you, you're focusing on one end of, of the spectrum. when you need- What kind of a Christianity are you going to end up with? A one-sided Christianity, where yeah. oh, a, a rational uh-huh. Christianity. So, what will that actually look like? Where people they they don't base things on their own experiences. Where they 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 experience things that you know you'd think would justify or could justify what they believe, but they disregard it. Yeah. Okay. So basically, what you're going to end up with is a is a church that um, knows their Bible inside out, back to front, and upside down. Yes. Um, because they are, you know, they're coming from a rational perspective. We need to know our Bibles. Absolutely. So you're going to know their Bibles incredibly well, but they don't have a living experience with Jesus Christ. No. Then if you go to the other extreme, what's that church going to look like? It's going to look like that, you know, they disregard the Bible and yeah, say, right. well, you know, I've experienced these things. And so that's therefore that is true. Sol- yeah. And that becomes higher than the Bible. Absolutely. 
Well, uh, no, sorry. What I'm saying is I agree with what you're saying, that that is yeah. what would happen. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're going to, and you see this within Christianity, you see some churches where people don't even bother taking their Bibles to church because it's like, what do you need to? They don't study the Bible. Yeah. They're there for the experience. They're not there for the Bible study. And you have others where you go to church and, man, you can have the most amazing Bible study. It's full on and in-depth, but people are not living a Christian life. They are just mean to each other. Yeah. And you can tell that Jesus has not become a part of their experience. Indeed. And so these are two extremes that we need to avoid ourselves as being Christians. And if we find ourselves sort of leaning one direction more than the other, we need to stop and ask ourselves the question, what is actually missing from my life? Yeah. That's a really hard question to ask because the reality is the way that we look at ourselves is that we are always balanced. We are always bang smack in the middle. Uh, and sometimes it takes somebody on the outside to say, hey, you know what, you might actually be a little bit unbalanced on this. You might be just a little bit too rational in your approach, or you might just be too a little bit, a little bit too experiential, or maybe a whole lot yeah. rational or experiential in your approach. You need to, to take that on and, and, and reevaluate sort of what's going yeah. on. And, of course, on either ends of those spectrums, we're going to have fine people who will you know, argue the point about which is the better place to be, knowing the Bible inside out, back to front, and upside down versus having uh, this amazing spiritual experience that may or may not be real. Um, and they're just going to you know, talk straight past each other in a discussion. They're never even going to connect on any meaningful level because they simply can't. It's impossible. Okay, let's continue on. Let's go over to John chapter 5, verse 46 and 47. And we're going to kind of pull this uh, Bible study together right here by focusing it back on the Word of God. John chapter 5, verse 46 and 47 is the passage that we're going to read. And Liam, what have you got for us there? All right, it says, If you really believed Moses, you would believe me, because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what I what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? Okay, so what was Jesus' attitude toward the Word of God here? He was saying that it's it's the same as what he's saying. He's saying that what the Word of God is me. The Word of God, and so so what you're experiencing from me, and what you've read. So so the rational yep. and the expert uh, the. Yes. Experiential yes. is exactly the same thing. Yep, they're coming, that's what God's, they're coming that's together what Jesus the, is saying. They are here. coming together in the person of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Okay, and John chapter 7, we'll flick over here. John chapter 7 and verse 38. Uh, verse, oh, hang on. Okay, John chapter 7 and verse 38 says, Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Okay, so let's, let's put these two verses together now. In the first verse, he focuses on Moses and the prophets. He's like, if you believe Moses and the prophets, you're going to believe in me because, you know, it's Moses and the prophets. They are the ones that testify of me. Yeah. So if you want to know the truth, go and study the Bible. Indeed. In that second verse there, he says, come to me and drink the living water. And so he says, if you want to experience the truth. Mm. Come to me. Yes. Okay, so if you want to have that rational experience, go study Moses and the prophets and you are going to discover me. If you want to have that experience, then come to me and drink of the water of life and you will have that experience there. Absolutely. But he also says that we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. 
Absolutely. So both of these aspects are absolutely just as important critical as each other. Oh, having a relationship 100%. with Jesus Christ. So here's an interesting quote. Now, during our interview of the day, we had Neil Thompson who joined us, um, a voracious reader, somebody who read 34 books. And the one book that he read twice last year was the book called The Desire of Ages. That's a very significant book, and this quote comes from page 671, just in case you're thinking he's getting through a lot of books by reading small pamphlets. Through the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks to the mind and impresses truth on the heart. Thus he exposes error and expels it from the soul. It is by the Spirit of truth working through the Word of God that Christ subdues his chosen people to himself. Right there, I think we could probably not put it down more uh, succinctly and more powerfully than that quote right there. We're going to move on. This is uh, Fernando Ortega with Crown Him With Many Crowns. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns, all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king. Through all eternity Crown Him the Lord of love Behold His hands and sigh Rich wounds yet visible above
team here at Faith FM want to encourage you to be the hands and feet of Jesus in your community, to stay positive and to stay connected in this virus season. Keep in touch with vulnerable members of your community like grandparents or new mothers and see if there's something you can do to help them with simple things like picking up some groceries, collecting the mail or dropping off some meals. Little things like this make a huge difference to someone living in isolation or quarantine. Hey fam, it's Kemi Agendi and you're listening to Faith it's FM. Okay to grow. It's okay to grow. It's okay to scrape your knee on the pavement to rise and fall. It's okay to grow To learn as you go That was Kemia Gendy with Note to Self. We've come time to question of the day. We have indeed. And today's question is, who was Darius? But um, it's a bit more than that, so you're going to unpack it a little bit more. Okay, so here's how the question goes. Um, I've been reading Ezra for my devotions. I must have read it, but not, a, not noticed before about the different kings and how they fit into a timeline. Daniel 5, Babylon is overtaken and Darius becomes king. Daniel 9 talks about Darius again um, as the son of Ahasuerus. Daniel 10 says that Daniel continues until the first year of Cyrus. So this Cyrus. So this seems that Cyrus comes after Darius. Okay, so that's what you've got in, in the book of Daniel. And uh, our questioner is absolutely correct that Cyrus does come after Darius in the book of Daniel. Then in Ezra chapter 1 and verse 1 speaks about the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, who issues the first decree to return Jerusalem. Ezra 4 mentions Ahasuerus, who according to Daniel is Darius's father. And Ezra 4.25 goes on to talk about Darius being, being king. According to this account, he comes after Cyrus. 
So what is going on here in this particular passage? What's this such a I really like this question because somebody's actually been doing some serious Bible study and some serious homeworking and it has resulted in a little bit of head scratching. Okay, so first of all, we're going to go to Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1 and this is the Darius that you find in the book of Daniel. It says in the first year of Darius the son of Ahasuerus of the seed of the Medes. So this is the Darius that is known as Darius the Mede. Now, Darius the Mede, son of Ahasuerus, of course, um, the, uh, another name for Ahasuerus was Astyages. So it was Astyages um, who was Cyrus's grandfather, his maternal grandfather, also known as Ahasuerus. And that makes Darius the Mede Cyrus's uncle. Now, Darius the Mede rules in Babylon as a client king of Cyrus. So Cyrus is the actual emperor, and Darius is ruling in Babylon underneath of him, and that's why we have uh, his record in the book of Daniel. And so, of course, when Darius the Mede dies, you know, Cyrus is the sole ruler, and it continues from there. Then after Cyrus dies, you have... Um, a number of different kings that come along. You have his son Cambyses II who comes to power, followed by Smyrtus. We're not sure who he was, uh, probably an imposter. And then you have this guy called Darius the Great. So we've got to draw a distinction between Darius the Mede and Darius the Great. Now, Darius the Great um, is the Darius that we have in the book of Ezra. And so Darius the Great comes after Cyrus. And so the answer to this question, quite simply, is that there are two Dariuses and two Cyruses. So there's a number of different people who are known as uh, Ahasuerus. In fact, Xerxes I um, is also known as Ahasuerus in the Bible. And this is not uncommon because what you're going to find in ancient times is that when you read... The you know the, the phonetic spelling of a king in one language, it's not always going to be the same when it comes across into another language. You know, it's kind of it's kind of the same in our world today. You know, Stephen here in Australia, if you were going to go to France, would be Etienne. Uh, John here in Australia, if you went to Spain, would be Juan. And they did the same kind of thing in the Bible, and so that the names don't always match up. Exactly. Now, why we have to do that, I'm not really sure. Um, if his name is Juan, call him Juan. If his name is John, call him John. Just, you know, it's not that hard. You know, we can get our tongues around this. And then, of course, you find uh, Asian people who will, you know, move to a Western country and take on a Western name. And it, it makes it easy for them to fit into the culture. And I get that. That makes uh, sense. But at the same time, you know, I don't mind using uh, Asian names. And so, um, as a result of that, you can end up with you know a few different Ahasuerus's, you have a few different Darius's, and unless you know where they all actually fit in historically, it's going to be somewhat challenging for you. And so if you simply work down through the family tree as we have it, you've got uh, Astyages the Mede, also known as Ahasuerus. He's the father of Darius the Mede. Then you've got Cyrus the Great, um, who is... Persian, he comes along, and from that point forward, they're going to be all Persian rulers. Um, then that's followed by, you know, Cambyses II, uh, Smyrtus, and then Darius the Great. And this is the one that is mentioned in the book of Ezra. 
um, along with Xerxes the first, who's also known as Ahasuerus, and then you have Artaxerxes the first, um, and of course he's the one who gives the very famous decree there, found in the book of Ezra to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. Those are the Persian kings that are probably significant to the Bible story in the book of Daniel. Um, there's a whole list more that continue on from there, but they are of no significant note to God's people or the Bible that take you all the way down through the Achaemenid Empire until you get to um, Alexander the Great who comes along and founds the Greek Empire. So there's the answer for your question. Right now we have, uh, and that answer went quicker than what I thought it was going to. This is Melissa Otto. For my father is the victor Your darkness only makes him brighter He'll make me more than a conqueror When I fall, I will rise again 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 Do not glow over me my enemy Disappointments push me deeper Into dependence on my father I hold on to him, my helper When I fall, I will rise again 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 Do not rejoice over me, my enemy Every trial makes me stronger Every failure makes me wiser As he refines me in the fire When I fall, I will rise again 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 Oh, 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 Welcome back. That was Melissa Otto with Rise Again. We've come to the end of our show, Lyle. We have indeed. Okay, and of course that means we're about to give something away entirely for free. Absolutely. You are going to need to be the first caller through, so get ready to give us a call. So we're touching on, on what you were talking about in the question of the day. Yes. This book that we're giving out today is called Decoding Bible Prophecy by Ron Cluzo. Um, so, it, you know, as, it, as the title suggests, it unpacks uh, what Bible prophecy—pardon uh, me—it unpacks what Bible prophecy is, and you know, if there's any questions, this might answer some of them. So, yeah, if you'd like to get your hands on this, give us a call. The first person to call through will receive a copy of this. So, call through on one eight hundred three two four eight four three, or you can send us a text at zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. 
Okay, so give us a call right now, and that can be yours. Don't forget, as we come to the end of this show, that we like to encourage people to study the Bible wherever they are. If you would like to do my Bible study course, which I would recommend is a great thing to do uh, during the coronavirus lockdown, then give us a call. We can set that up with you with the Discovery Center. They have about 18 different courses that are available there, which vary from children's courses to health courses to relationship courses to Bible courses to prayer courses, whatever it is that you want to do. So uh, give us a call and we can set that up for you and, uh, and, and, and make that happen. Okay, right now, as we get into the rest of our day, we'll be back with more great programming in just a moment. But don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again.
with God can answer in my fray. So purer light shall mark the road that leads me to the land. Everyone who is born from God has overcome the world. Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. You're listening to Faith FM. Sometimes I feel like an empty bucket in the sand. Seems I'm no use for anyone no more I've tried to carry some heavy things lately That push me, that bend me, want me out completely And that's something to
心仔